0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson, hoping to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow.
1: Hi, Matt. Hey, what's going on? trying to get a plan together well this is episode 9 of 52 so far that plan is going well every week we've got an awesome new episode about starting a startup
0: yeah and uh speaking of starting a startup we started a tv show that is also a startup so if you're really into all things startup come check out startup hustle tv it's also a good time to let you know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. That's what we do. That's my day job, Matt.
1: Can you believe that uh, Stackfi has been using Fullscale for three years? Yeah, I was talking three to years. another one
0: of our clients last night about that same thing. I was like, do you know you're coming up on your three, third three-year birthday? Yeah, He was like, wow, has it been that long? I was like, yeah, man, we're getting old. Yeah, we got um, some critical yeah, team so. members that have been been working for us for three years now. Stack by so they're cool. they're all, they're veterans at this point. Yeah, you got, got a lot of flight hours under their wings. So, yep. um, you know, part of that, you know, part of that whole thing, Matt, is part of the business plan that you and I created when we started Full Scale, and then was also a big pivot from the original business plan that we became partners in and around that essentially turned into full scale yep but wait
1: things don't always go as planned nope sometimes you uh keep turning over rocks and you find uh you find something under a rock that leads you a different path so
0: kind of like the gold the gold mining shows that i like to watch if you wash enough dirt you'll find you you might find enough gold but uh one thing on those shows as well that's pretty certain is things usually don't go according to plan because the wash plant blows up or the the backhoe breaks down or the excavator gets stuck in mud. And that sounds a lot like running a business. And also one of the things that makes it really hard to write a business plan. Now, for those of you that are listening, if you've been a regular listener for a while, you know that Matt and I are not massive business plan people. Is that fair to yeah. say, Matt?
1: I think the, uh, the shorter, the better, right? I mean, I think it's good to have a plan. I mean, I think it's really good to know who your customer is and what your product is and your go-to-market strategy. Like all those things are really important. I just don't think it needs to be a hundred page novel. Well, the reason for
0: that is because you don't know what you don't know and you don't know what's going to happen. So your business plan should be centric around, uh, it's, uh, it's almost kind of talking out what can or could occur which it which is very helpful in your planning process because yep. if you've addressed it and thought about it and had a little bit of time to discuss it and keep revisiting it that could be important Now, Matt, i actually have the definition of a business plan uh would you like me to tell you what that is it's jump and build wings no that is not a plan no no that's your hope, your hope, version hope, of it hope, hope hope is not a strategy as is <laughs> that yeah so a business plan is a written document that describes in detail how a business, usually a startup, defines its objectives and how it is to go about achieving its results. It lays out a written roadmap for the business with everything from marketing, financial and operational standpoint. So we're going to talk about some tips that go with that. Now, I think a lot of people, as you mentioned, create this really comprehensive business plan. And they get so immersed and sucked into it that it can take some focus away from some of the other things that the business needs to do. Where do you draw the line,
1: Matt? Like, what's where well, do you draw the line? It's it's one of the things we talk about a lot, right? You, you always talk about the guy who's uh, cleaning the restaurant and never opens the door because he's polishing the floors, right? Like, you can spend yeah. forever refining the business plan, or you can make something like half ass and figure out if somebody wants to buy it and figure out why not and then improve it at some point in time you got to go sell something so yeah and i think a lot of people get in the weeds and i've been
0: guilty of this before with the business plan because they think that your uh, your earliest stage investors are going to want to see that 60 page business plan right away um and i've really over time have learned that it's the op that's the opposite of the truth uh a business plan Can have come in a lot of different shapes and forms, and there are pieces and parts of it that are best to put under your arm and take out to the initial pitch meetings. Um, So, do you consider a one pager to be part of a business plan, or is that a completely different thing?
1: I mean, I think that should be part of the like summary of it. Um, As an investor, then you then you have have an. You have an executive summary
0: that's the big brother of the one pager. And I want to talk about those two, because I think that both of those are birthed from your your general plan. So a one pager, look, if you can't describe the, the problem, solution and benefits of what you're doing and what you're solving on the front of one piece of paper, you've probably overcomplicated it. Doesn't mean you have to like lay out the world's greatest strategy, but the one pager is a component of your business plan. That's what an investor wants to see
1: up front. I mean, as, as an investor, I just want to know like, you have a product, you know, who you're going to sell it to, you know, the people want to buy it. And I have confidence in that, confidence in that. And I have confidence in you. All the rest of it is a bunch of shit I don't want to hear about. Well, and then then the the next step up from
0: that, which is I still believe an ancillary part of a business plan, is an executive summary, which is the 60 page business plan condensed down to I'd say three to six pages max. That's that's really the highlight reel. Those are the two things I think if you're a real if you're and we're talking about how to start a tech company. I would if going back, if I was starting another company, which I I have no plans to do anytime soon because of this kind of stuff is, is draining. It's, it really is draining, but I I spend time on the one pager and the executive summary and then, then certain parts of the business plan I think are crucial for a greater understanding. And we'll get into that. Like if you had to redo a business plan, if you had 100% of your effort, where would you divide that up?
1: Um, I mean, I think the executive summary is a, is good. I think that kind of three to five, 10 pages or whatever, and, you know, short and sweet on the different points, I think is good. And then how do you distill that down to one page is even better. I think as an investor, nobody's going to read more than five to 10 pages of stuff. Anyways, there's just no way.
0: Yeah. And there's, well, there's, there's reasons for that. And I think it's important to understand because once again, and this is, these are tips for a business plan because that is what a lot of people want to get other people's attention with. But the, a lot of times the people that you're serving this plan to like, Hey, look at this. Do you want to be a part of this? Well, first off, they're in and around organizations or situations where they get a lot of business plans and they just don't have time. Like, no, I mean, we, the, 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 they VCs don't and the investors, they or
1: Yeah. And they just don't care. They're just I like, mean, you, they, they're, I mean, if I was looking at the business plan for full scale and it was, a hundred pages about Filipino law and HR standards and how we hire people and pay them. And like, I would get lost so fast. And like, all the, like, is this too into the weeds? Like, okay, yeah, we're going to make money. Yes. Like at some point it's just too much detail. I don't understand the industry. I can't relate to what you're even trying to tell me.
0: Well, a confused mind almost always says no. And that's, that's just psychology. So you got to keep it simple. Now, when it comes to the to the business plan itself though there are areas of it that you know there there are some priority areas and i think when you look at the plan remember look a good business solves a problem so you have a problem you have a solution uh what kind of action are you going to take and what is your what is your desired or expected outcome like That's like, and, and look, it's going to flex different ways, but we're going to keep this tech centric because this isn't a series about how to start a tech company. So what's the problem you solve? Who's, why is it valuable? Who are your competitors? Uh, what, how are you going to solve the problem? And you know, what's your path to revenue? Those are, those are the simple areas. And, you know, I don't think, I think people get stuck wanting to write like 42 pages about features.
1: No, yeah, exactly. it's too into the weeds. And the, the most important thing in any business plan for a tech startup is just knowing who your target market is, right? Are you trying to sell to a million people that are all going to pay you 10 bucks a month? Or do you want to sell it to 10 people that are going to pay you a million dollars a month? Because those are completely different business strategies. And if your answer is both, you just are clueless, you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. And that's uh, defining where you're at now, you know, within your,
0: uh, now that we're into the, the, the list of tips, I mean, get clear on your selling points, like make those crystal clear. Like those shouldn't be muddied. They shouldn't be hazy. Like this is what we do. This is who we do it for. And this is what how they're going to pay us. And the selling and why, points.
1: And, and why benefit. we're 10 times better than the comp- competitor. Like it better be like, I was actually, uh,
0: I was actually recording an episode with a with a four with a founder that had four successful exits and a current company that had 65 million in funding. And he was talking about exactly that. He said, if your solution's only only 30 to 50% better than the competition, you're gonna lose. Cause it's kind of like you're always saying, like, what's the big benefit of switching over and doing something different? He was saying you need to be two to three times better faster or cheaper yeah to unwedge people from other solutions they're already into
1: especially if you're talking about a big brand that owns a specific industry right like it's just really difficult to replace them because they've got the name and it's just that it's so much more difficult now if you're in an industry where there's a lot of players and and nobody really owns the market and you know there's not a dominant company then you might you might be able to look okay but If there's a really dominant player and everybody buys them because they're the safe choice and everybody knows that's the product to use it's going to be really hard to supplant them unless you are significantly better so
0: with your plan it's also important to understand who your potential audience is 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 this a plan because a plan that i'm going to give to my employees internally is going to be different Mm -hmm. than Than the plan that I gave to a potential investor that I turned down a million dollars from, which you can see my reaction to that in episode (laughs) one or episode zero of Startup Hustle TV, you want to see what it's like to not get a million bucks, watch that show because, but, but that was a different plan. There's so knowing your audience and, and who you're delivering it to. So a business plan can take different forms. Like there's actionable strategy that occurs within
1: your business. And then there's a business plan. Those are, those are, those can be different. Another example of this would be the business plan I'm going to take to a VC is probably going to have a shooting for the moon and being like a trillion dollar company. The business plan I take to the bank might be more conservative. Right, right, right. And,
0: and, you know, that's, I mean, you got to know your audience. Yep. And, I mean, that's important. So, Matt, do you want to explain unit economics or would you like me to attempt to do that? Well,
1: um, so, so by, I mean, by the way, how about we talk about unit ahead. economics for Stackify, which is a tech company, and what okay. if we talk about it for, say, Fullscale, which is a different kind of tech company, sure. and how the unit economics work? Now
0: I want before we get into that I want to say that someone who's a personal mentor, investor and maybe even hero of our Sandy Kemper is huge. Like if you talk to Sandy for 5 minutes about your business, he's going to say you need to, you need to be on top of what are your what are your unit economics look like, you know? And like and that's like kind of like if you talk to me I'm like what's your bathroom revenue? You're not going to get very far into that conversation before he's going to bring that up.
1: And that's that's important. So go ahead, Matt. Well, so when I think of unit economics, the, the big thing I really want to know is scale, right? How does this business scale? What does it cost to acquire a customer? How long are they a customer? You know, what is the churn and lifetime value of the customer, right? Like all of those things are really important. But then you get into your margins and cost of goods sold, right? Like, are you, are you selling a product that you make an 80% profit on? Or are you like a grocery store and you're like, we make a 5% profit? Like those are totally different types of businesses, Right and most tech businesses if they're SaaS based subscription usually are 70 percent or more gross profit um, and the really good ones can be 90 90 plus 70 to 80 is is more normal um, at stackify we've you know it used to be we were we were like 60% a couple of years ago and now we're probably more like 80% so you know how much you spend on hosting and all that kind of stuff gets into that but the big thing there, too, is is customer acquisition costs. That, that's always the big one is how, how much does it cost us to acquire a customer? And especially if you're going to go to a VC or an investor and raise money, usually the reason you're raising money is to scale and grow sales, right? Like we want to go sign up a bunch of customers. So you need to have an idea of like, hey, I can go hire a couple salespeople. And what, what will I you know get from that? How much will I invest? What's the outcome? Or if it's marketing, like, oh, okay, we know we can market and, you know, do marketing and advertising in these ways, and this is how much it costs to acquire a customer. Understanding those levers is really important to investors.
0: Yeah, and so the the difference, so we were going to compare Stackify. And by the way, so Gigabook would have a sig- similar model. Um, software as a service or in, tech in, companies. The yeah, they, well, no, because well, no, it'll be the same uh, or similar. So full scale, which is a tech services company. So here's here's the difference: like we have one foot in the tech space and one foot in the service space, and mm-hmm. it's not a true software company. So when we talk, when we use the word scalable, it's completely different because Stackify or Gigabook or a, or a, a pure tech-driven company, the reason that they trade for such big multiples and such big money pours in is because you can scale them. Well, most of the time, can scale them without needing to have a gazillion more people. Software always turn, shows you, up to work. Yes, it shows <laughs> up every day, twenty four seven. So at, at full scale, where we deal with with high aptitude, high experience developers, people ask me about our hiring strategy. I say, well, it's exactly and exact because yeah. I can't do, I can't, I can't make the right candidates show up and pass our our gauntlet of a hiring procedure. Yeah. And so now, but on the flip side of that, though, a company like Full Scale is inherently, it can be inherently easier to have a cash flow positive business. Yep. As opposed to software companies, which are dreadfully unprofitable for years and sometimes a decade or more, but yep. then they can springboard forward a lot of the ways. So, There's a a little bit of a give and take and other things too that like, for example, at full scale, some of the, uh, you talk about, so customer acquisition costs, who fucking knows, man, like I can take a guess at it, but we get customers from so many different things. Maybe this podcast, maybe startup hustle TV, maybe people we know, like made the full scale website. And it comes from a lot of different angles and places. And it's also not very predictable. So when you're creating yeah. your financial model and your unit economics, like with Stackify, you have some idea. You're like, okay, if we spend $40,000 this month on X, Y, and Z, we expect to be within this range, this to this many trials, we, this to yeah. this many conversions. And it's fairly predictable. With companies like full-scale, especially service-based, like that can that can sway wildly. Like, because yep. we, we don't know. And some of it too is also different because like software, it can be really hands-off. Like full-scale, we say no to as many potential clients as we say yes to. Right. So there's a different, a completely different thing there. Um, so when it comes to the economics though, knowing how much you got to, basically, what do you got to do to pay your bills? Like, what does that look like, and then where does that make profit? So, yeah. Anyway, fancy, sh- fancy, schmancy stuff there, Matt. So, all right. So now you get, you get. Once you get an idea about what some of this stuff looks like, and look for the earliest stages of business, you don't know. You don't know what your real customer acquisition cost is. You don't know what your churn rate is. You don't know what the lifetime value of a client is. Like you just mentioned at the beginning of the show, Stackify has been a client at Full Scale for three years now. Yep. That means your li- every month that you pay your bill, that and thank you for paying your bill every month, by the way, but every month that you do that, the lifetime value of your account grows. The customer so, acquisition
1: costs can be higher. And we don't
0: churn a whole lot of clients, so that yeah. grows every month. That number changes, but that said, that also means that it's worth even that much more. When yep. more and more of them stick around, and the longer they stay. So once you get an idea of, and that's another thing too. So you look at like, what's the average paying subscriber at Stackify spend roughly? Uh, it's about um, three to four thousand dollars a year. So two three hundred bucks a month, yep. as opposed to full scale, the average client spends thirteen thousand dollars a month.
1: Yep. Which could become totally That's, different business models, sales plans, customer acquisition. Like I can't afford a lot of money to acquire a customer. You can.
0: Right, right. And at the same time, I have to build a relationship with the a lot of those customers and clients because we're giving them advice, consulting, working with them, having them yeah. do interviews, talk to different people. Where, well, at Gigabook, man, ever since we invented our smart start onboarding, like we don't s- spend any time on that. It's a live chat at best and that that but that's scalable that's scalable because if your business plan revolves on too much human intervention with your tech company you're not scalable yet you haven't figured it out because what will happen is if your users go up by a thousand and you have to hire five more people just to deal with that well you're still not going to make any money because you're just going to spend that hiring five more people so where is that break point where is the, the where is the point that you can either uh, and I refer to this as ca- as cash cowing, because in some businesses you see they refine a product. Well, let's look at Linktree, right? We use Linktree, a super simple link directory that you that we put in our social media ads that'll say, where do you want to listen to the podcast? Where do you want to find us? That's a, That's a product that doesn't need to evolve a whole lot. So you might see a ramp up to build something like that, and then they get into a maintenance mode. That's yep. putting a cash cow out in the pasture. Yep, you know, and that's and that's that's what can be attractive. Is you might not need many people at all, but you're going to have a very difficult time determining that up front, unless you can get some kind of business intelligence about what is good in and around your industry. Yep. By the way, let's let's break a couple hearts because you know it wouldn't be a real episode of startup hustle if we didn't shatter at least one dream. Um, when you're for your tech company, so Matt, like realistically of free trials and SaaS environments, how many do you, ex- what do you think a good conversion rate
1: is? Well, so it's, it's all over the board, of course. Right. Um, from what we see about a third of the people that sign up for free trial were, will ever actually use the product. The other two thirds, they never even use it. They just sign up for a trial. Okay. And then about a third of the ones that that actually use it will buy it. So our end result of that is roughly kind of about ten percent. Ten percent. It kind of ranges, I'd say eight to twelve, and depending on your product, you know, it's going to vary wildly. But yeah, it's only eight to twelve percent. And GigaBook will be in an eight to twelve range for the same reasons.
0: And so that's the thing is, and this is where you can get yourself sideways in a hurry trying to start your tech company. Is thinking that forty percent of people are gonna convert. Because no. honestly, in the begin in the beginning, if you even get a whole number, like one percent might be good. I bet back in numbers the numbers game, you were like, Wow, we're up to one percent, because your shit is not good or great right away. It's yep. kind of the way it goes. Yep. So all right so once you get some idea around that you can begin to break some of this stuff down and into actionable goals and i think that if your business plan doesn't have actionable items in it
1: it's just paper (laughs) it's like you got to have some milestones right like our our goal is v1 and then v2 and then in v3 we're going to create this whole new feature and thing and go into a different industry or market or whatever like you know, you just got you got to set out some milestones. And and the key thing to investors, a lot of times they, they expect you to have a big vision, right? Like they expect you to yep. see forward about this is what we're going to be doing five years from now. We're going to build all these products. We're going to grow. We're going to go into this industry. What, you know, like most investors want to invest in people to have a big vision for an industry or the product or what they're going to do. It's because they need big returns
0: to support their own model. They're writing 10 checks, hoping that one of them actually goes big. And if they write 10 checks for a bunch of people with little dreams and little visions and little goals, then they will probably have a little return if they even have one. Um, So that's that kind of, you know, aiming for substance, you know, like does like, does your plan have substance? Do you have a marketable product? Do you have a systematic plan for increasing revenue? And maybe, uh, and maybe a mitigation strategy or a plan B for what can and will, or could occur if the goals and milestones aren't met.
1: Well, and that's the hard part when you're early stage, it's a little bit of a game of chicken, right? It's like, okay, we got $50,000. We got to use this money to get to the first milestone. And once we reach the first milestone, we think we'll be able to raise another 50,000 or whatever. But if you screw up along the way and you don't get to that first milestone, you're just dead. You're done. It it's like a little bit of a, yeah. Implosion. It's a little bit of a game of chicken because you're like, I've got to hurry up and spend all this money so I can get to that, that first goal. Like I got to build the MVP. I got to spend a certain amount of money on marketing. I got to prove these unit economics. And then the investor agreed they'd give us more money. If we approved all this stuff, you spend all the money, you hire people. And then you're like, oh shit, we didn't hit our numbers.
0: What do we do now? And, and that's, and that's why they're having a reasonable plan, but still being, you know, having a high upside. I think if your plan shows you hockey sticking after six months, that's not super believable. I mean, no. we, we, we were talking in previous episodes about not only a gigabook, but also at, at Stackify, it taking years
1: to collect well, a dollar there so I think there's two things there i I would want to tell everybody mention a r- realistically the like unicorn type growth is to do what they call triple triple double double, so triple revenue one year then triple again, then double revenue, then double revenue again that is like unicorn status if you can do that, and you have hit the hockey stick and you were growing like crazy and that's probably not your first year by the way, right there could be a couple years of like R and D building some product and it's got all sorts of problems. And then you finally get it working. You've got product market fit. You got your go to market strategy. You finally figured out how to attract customers. Then you start that, that triple, triple, double, double, right? It doesn't start like the first year either. Like there, you're going to be a long way before you get there even. But then the other thing to think about is even once you become a successful company, growing 40 to 60% a year over year is super successful those people that think they've got to grow like triple revenue every year for like in perpetuity, there's no, that doesn't happen.
0: And that's going to change. By the way, when I hear you say triple, triple, double, double, I just think about me hoping. (laughs) Yep, (laughs) Said no one. All right. So, but yeah, I mean, but reasonable goals and expectations, like, like I said, it's, I mean, triple, triple, double, double. Think about that. Cause if you do the math on that, it gets, it gets pretty dirty in a hurry. Like these turn into big numbers. And, and, but there's a reason it's not triple, triple, quadruple, quadruple. The bigger your revenue gets, the harder it is to build upon it and have numbers and percentages that look flashy.
1: Like, after you know, after we sold then solutions to auto trader, I went to their board meeting, which was one of the coolest things I ever got to do with a couple billionaires in a room that was cool. And their company charter was to grow 14% a year. Yep. I mean, at some point in time, you get to be so big, like, say, Apple or Microsoft or Amazon or somebody, you're not they're not like, we're gonna triple this year. Like, (laughs) no.
0: Yeah. And, and well, and that's the thing too. And, and some, and sometimes like, and we've even talked about this at full scale, like there even becomes an inflection point in some businesses where just growing for the sake of growing, isn't always a great plan. A lot of times you know, they have acquisitions. Like, yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of different, different, you know, now thinking big is important as we mentioned now, look, when it comes to this plan that you've created, get some feedback, talk to someone about it, ask people, you know, to look at it, you know, email Watson and ask him to look at it. Cause he loves long detailed business plans. That's what you, you don't read books before bed. You read business plans, right? Yes. Yep. That's what I do. That's a lie. I don't think that's true, but you know, there, and you know, when it comes to the feedback um, I think it's important <laughs> to listen for a few things. One, like, does the person that read it even get it? Like, does this yes. make sense? Like, cause if you, if everyone that reads your plans confused as shit by it, then it's not a great plan. Um, and then also just like listen to see if everyone asks the exact same questions, well, then there might be something worth addressing. That's that echo yep. I'm always talking about. You hear it and that's what needs to be addressed. And then, you know, kind of for the final point on the on the tips list, before we talk about some things to avoid is, you, look, and your invest, uh, sophisticated savvy investor knows this as well, but your plan's wrong. It's going to need to change. I'm more concerned about your ability to adapt, survive, and advance than I am about the crystal ball that you don't have.
1: Yeah, I mean, so, most of the time you're betting on the jockey, right? Like, I want to bet on a jockey that understands market conditions and can understand they need to, to pivot and move and and figure out how to adapt and overcome, right? I mean, if if you think that you got it all figured out and you know exactly what you're going to do, you can pretty much guarantee that's not going to work. I think we need to get an actual professional horse race
0: gambler on here and ask if they actually bet on the jockey or the horse. I mean, at... Because I, I know
1: in our world it's the jockey. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you at Ven Solutions, the what the business started out doing was nothing like what it became like eight years later. Like the product changed. I mean, it built upon like a really simple idea, but the direction it went went a different direction and became a hundred times more complicated, right? And StackFi was the same thing. We started with a simple idea, and now what everybody wants is something it's kind of started on that, but went a different direction.
0: Yeah. Well, and we were jo- we were joking about this. You and I became business partners in Gigabook, and we our original plan was to help Stackify build a development team. We put a small markup on it, and Gigabook wasn't going to have a burn rate. It was a beautiful. Yeah. It was a beautiful little plan. It was a it was a self sufficient little nugget that was going to play yeah. well. And then we got two months into that, and because of this podcast and people we know, and just a massive shortage of developers in North America, we had a bunch of people—our friends.
1: It was literally our friends. You're you're wrong. It, it was like two weeks later, and one of my friends had a developer working at full scale before I did. Well, yes, that True was story. well.
0: Yes, it was, it wasn't two weeks, but it was close. Cause we yeah. had people asking right away, but yeah. at first we, you and I, we were like, do we, cause we have that, we have that part, we actually, I, in the business plan that I wrote in the financial projections, which by the way, I think are the most important part of the plan to give you an idea, a real tangible view. So w- when it comes to that financial part of the business plan, I usually write three or four of them. I do like good, bad and ugly. You yeah. know, like and and so you just get an idea like and it's good to do those in, in, in triplicate or in some places they'll do even more because like they'll move that timeline like, okay, in this one we get revenue in month three. and this one we don't get revenue till month 12. Like what does life look like? And, and those tables change really dramatically for a lot of things, yep. both good and bad. So understand where you're going to be if things go well, understand where you're going to be if they don't go well at all, because that's how you determine what you actually need from an investor and where they need it. And no investor wants to come sit down at the table and immediately be the short stack. Investors don't typically write checks to companies that are immediately resource strapped even after taking in capital.
1: No, they they expect you to take that money and invest it. So if, if you're already burning cash, that doesn't help grow unless you're growing really well. And yeah, you know, but so so when we talk about expecting to change,
0: expect the plan to change, you know, we were trying to build a team at gigabook, we were trying to grow that product, we were going to staff stackify. And then we had like anywhere from 12 to 18 months down the road, I just remember as general line items, future client teams. Yeah. And we thought about building it, but we didn't know what we didn't know at that point. Now we ended up because the demand was so high, we ended up accelerating that part of the business a full year. We took beta client one, beta client two, and it was about three or four months into the whole thing that we were like, shit, this is what we should be focusing on. We, the software, the Gigabook side can kind of work, it can be in parallel, but we loved the fact that that business had the, meaning full scale, had the ability to pile up revenue so quickly.
1: Yep, service-based like, businesses we were, are great.
0: We were so fascinated with that because mm-hmm. we had been in and around a world where we'd gone two or three years before you could even really have something that you were proud of selling. Not yeah. sell, but proud of selling. And then at one point, so at the end of year one, we had 100 employees. And I remember even asking you, I said, Matt, have you ever been involved in a business that grew this quick? And you were like, no, no. Nope. And, you know, but 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 that wasn't all gravy and roses, was it?
1: No. And it no, it had its own set of problems. And actually, that leads yeah. to another big change in the plan is, you know, at full scale, we thought we were going to partially be in the real estate business. Like when you're hiring that many employees, you got to get office space all the time and all this stuff. Like we're going to end up owning like a building somewhere, a skyscraper somewhere, right? And now here comes COVID and everybody-
0: We went went for, yeah, yeah, we went for, we have a whole floor of a building that we've paid for for over a year now and never even used. Yeah, 20,000 US dollars a month. And now we don't even need it because we'll be fractional. Like our employees will come one day a week after yeah. covid and that's so they can just have some
1: FaceTime, and then they'll Everybody's work remote. working remote totally change the plan and the financials right it changed the whole business model and yeah. you know
0: now you know that's and yeah get ready to Please. adapt and change all right yep so let's talk about some don'ts all right look as, when we say that we're not big planners and it's not our favorite thing to do I, we're not saying to skip planning don't skip the planning phase. You need to plan. Just know that your plan's going to require adjustment.
1: And the plan doesn't necessarily have to be all in writing, right? Like, I mean, you have a plan. You're like, this is what we're going to build. This is who the customer is. is how we're going to attract customers. Like, we know these things. We talk about them every day. It doesn't necessarily have to be all in writing either, unless you're going to go present it to an investor or something. You can then have it plans. does need to be in writing, yeah. yeah.
0: Then it does, but it doesn't have to be overly complex or remark or like overly sophisticated. And then, much like we talked, we're just talking about don't make don't just because you wrote the plan, it shouldn't be static. Like I just we just told a story about literally starting a business that we didn't plan under the wings of a, we. It was four months later we actually did make it its own entity, which then later acquired Gigabook. Yep. So, you know, you just never know, but, but static is not a good place to be. Just like, I think people don't want to deviate from the plan. They're like, no, it's stay, stay, the course. No, someone's going to make adjustments to the, to, to the, you know, whatever course you're, you've plotted. I mean, it, because there's a storm in the way. All right, yep. let's sail around it. So, all right.
1: Don't lose focus on your cash. Cash is king got to know how much money you have you got to understand your burn rate how many months you got till you run out of cash it's all critical how do you how do you validate your idea you got to talk to people and the the biggest mistake that all entrepreneurs make and, and this is especially bad with tech companies is you get software developers that that sit in their basement and just write code but they never actually go talk to a potential customer to figure out what it is they want to do Or they overcomplicate it. And we've talked about this with Gigabook. It's like, oh, we just kept adding all these features and stuff. And, you know, if we would have talked to more customers and thought about it, maybe we would have made a simpler product. And and meanwhile, Simple ass
0: Calendly was running away with with the race. Like they really were. And they just did one thing. And like, I look back at that. I'm like, God, that was a strategic error. Because yep. we even thought about doing the exact same thing, and they weren't even that great at it at that point. So you
1: and it, know, it's the, like the other yeah. part of that is it's easy to go to like your uncle or your uncle's best friend, and they they're like, "Oh yeah, this is the greatest idea ever. This is awesome. Yeah, this oh great job, kid. Yeah, keep going." And then you talk to some real person who would actually be a customer. That's not like your buddy's friend, and they're like, oh, "This is a stupid ass idea." Like you got to get outside your little friend network. You got to go talk to strangers. <laughs> I mean, I think that that's
0: a a key ingredient, you know, like, I mean, if you, if you surround yourself by, with yes, people, you're, I mean, you need to be, you need to be ready to hear the critical. I think a a big thing to avoid is don't get defensive about the feedback that people give you. Thank them for the feedback. Thank you for the input. Thank you for your time. Because in reality, those people can choose to do anything else in the world besides give a shit about your plan and what you're doing. So like people ask me a lot to talk about this or look at this or do whatever. And I always disclaim it up front. I'm like, okay, two things. One, you can't get mad at me if I don't tell you what you want to hear. And two, I'm not going to argue with you about whether, why I'm wrong and you're right, that's because those are, those are pointless. That's not, that's not it. That's not what we're wanting to do here. If you want the input, take the fucking input and listen. Yep. Listen. Take it under advisement. Spongy vague goals. Matt, I want to acquire 30 to 80% market share in three to six
1: years. We're going to be number one. (laughs) True. Yeah, I have told my mark. I have told my marketing team a couple times that we should just change our website to say we're number one at something. Like just whatever, we're number one. And there's
0: ways to do that because the, you don't even have to say number one, and you're not. <laughs> no, we are. Shit. We're going to say me. it. <laughs> become a bit of an expert on the, on these kind of in this messaging, but you know, I mean, overall, you know, another thing too is is well. You know, wh- when it comes to your plan and what you're wanting to do, one size does not fit all. Um, you know, one of the things, that, the reason I don't get to like all the shit that full scale does, full scale on Startup Hustle, Startup Hustle TV, Gigabook, uh, six, a, a portion and six different portfolio companies. Like, what do we do? You know, that's the thing It's like, you know, and, and on some like there's not a one size fits all plan for the stuff that we do overall or what we let ourselves do. So just because the business, just.
1: Well, and I was going to say the business plan of, of different kinds of tech companies, even if you're in the same industry, doesn't mean your business plan is the same, right? Like take Uber and right. Lyft for an example, their business plans could be different. Uber could be like, oh, we want to partner with these types of people. And that's our go to market strategy. And we want to deliver food and Lyft is like, shit, we don't ever want to do that. But we want to do this other thing. Right. Like everybody's going to have a unique business plan.
0: Yeah. And that's and, you know, with that, there's priorities in there. And the this next tip that we have, I think, is the most crucial thing for early stage companies. Do not dilute your priorities. You need to be good at one, maybe two things. Yep. Before you try to be good at six, like, and, and I've made this mistake. I'm sure you have now, like pick something to be aces at the most important thing. And that's something that drives users or revenue to your platform. Right. It's never vanity shit. It's like always like you like to do that. How do you like what talk about a, you love boring businesses.
1: I do. So Why? Because they just make money and people need them, their utility. Like, I, I can't remember the name of the one here in, in, in that's Kansas City that, like, they just help people optimize how they deliver freight and the optimal route. It's not sexy, Is that but quote? Is that no, quote? it was like, or, dimin- no, that
0: was, that was, that was, uh, that was my, uh, my buddy, Jeff Oslander. Yes. Uh, and of course, I just forgot his bu- name of his business, but it was, yep. it's a logistics company. Yeah. Nothing and, sexy about and, yeah. it. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Yep. And you yep. would never but, know they exist. But right. they're killing it but and they're making g- a ton of money. Good at one thing. Yeah. That one thing. And they're freaking aces at it though. Yep. Same thing. It's like we've we've used this example of the chicken fingers restaurant here in Kansas City. Yes. They just make chicken fingers. That's it. But God, they are good. They are good. If, there's always ten cars deep in that line, man. And, and they make you, chicken fingers. Like, what kind of chicken fingers do you want? Or it's actually more like, how many do you want? Do you want fries or coleslaw
1: and lemonade? I mean that that's I mean that's the greatest example, right? Like you can think about like I'm hungry. Anything of like a million restaurants to go to, but if you think about I'm hungry and I want chicken fingers, you're like, oh, there's only one logical choice. We're going there. No. Why would I? Why would I go to McDonald's for chicken fingers when I can go to so and so and that's what they do.
0: Well, that's exactly what McDonald's did when they first became a franchise. And this was before Ray Kroc. And, you know, the the brother, the McDonald brothers, they looked at they said, we make all of our money off of hamburgers, fries and shakes. And they looked at each other and they said, well, why do we even make why do we even do the rest of this? And said, well, we want a full menu. Do we even need to have one? And, and they kind of look at each other like we can do whatever we want. We own the place. Yeah. So there they go. They took all the other crap out and they got real good at a couple things. Our, our buddy, Leryl Holt, back in episode 12, will talk about being cowardly and going, taking an idea that no one else is doing and going somewhere where everyone
1: will leave you alone to get real
0: good at it.
1: Yep. I and love that approach. And one of my favorite sayings, and, and I think I, I picked this up from my friend Craig that worked for me in, uh, if, if, if people listening to this, only remember one thing from this podcast, it's this. Every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to everything else. And so you can't say yes to everything. You cannot do all the things. You can do one thing and you're not doing all the rest of them. You don't have enough time to do all of them.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's also a, a roundabout way of of beginning to describe opportunity cost. So, yeah. in one of the five, in one of the five colleges that I dropped out of, which this one was a top ten business school, so I want a little bit of credit on that one. They they drove that into our head. So, opportunity cost is the value of the foregone option, right? And that and here's the thing is there's not necessarily a right or wrong. Cause if, okay, Matt, so by choosing to be on this podcast, we're recording it. We're choosing to not do a bunch of other shit. Some of which could be playing with my kids. Like I can't really put a tangible like spreadsheet value on that, but I'm not doing that because I'm doing this. And it's the same thing when it comes to your priorities and what you're building at the business. If you're trying to build seven things, you're going to probably at the same time before you're good at any of them, you're probably going to end up with three things that are average and four that never get finished because you run out of money or something yep. or just it's the way it goes. Okay. So here's another thing. I, I, this is that I really don't like when I seen a lot of people's business plans is all of a sudden at like, it, here comes year three and there's the hockey stick on the graph, but there's not a, there's not a real why. Like why? Like what are you doing different at that point? What part of like what made that occur? Why is this? Why did you just suddenly begin the triple, triple, double, double phase?
1: You know, as an investor, I kind of like those. If they make a performance base. it's like, hey, if you don't hit those numbers, I own a hundred percent of the company. Cause I would own a hundred percent of all yeah, of them. Everyone, a one lot of, of
0: companies. <laughs> yeah, you gotta own a lot Cause of companies. nobody hits yeah, any would, of those yeah. numbers.
1: Right, every right. every and that's, forecast yeah. I've ever done, including Stackify and Full Scale, we've never hit any of the numbers.
0: Nope, nope. And then sometimes we no. sometimes we grossly outpace them, and sometimes we underwhelm. But you yeah. just never know, and it's nope. hard. To, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. So no one knows. But don't paint yourself in the corner. And some of that just becomes it just looks unrealistic. You know, yeah. if I'm like uh, at Gigabook, we'll have twenty eight percent of the entire booking market in three years. No, we won't. It's freaking huge. There's like a billion people out there in that market. Like I'm not gonna have 280 million users in three years. I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not. I mean, maybe if someone gives us $10 billion to buy the market. Okay, so (laughs) this last tip, not paying attention to the plan. This is goofy, dumb shit. Like, Ugly typos, terrible formatting. Like you went, you spent all this time to put this thing together. Proofread it.
1: Well, I think also then not following it. You're like, okay, we we decided we're going to do this. We're going to sell this. We're going to sell it to these people. And then you meddle around and do everything else. you are like, no, now we decided to do this and we're going to try to sell it to somebody else. And then, oh, one customer called. They want us to do this thing. So now we're going to go meddle around with that thing somewhere. Now we've pivoted. And you've not focused on the plan.
0: So Matt, I asked the Startup Hustle Facebook group a question phrased as how much of your original business plan was accurate? So I got 28 votes for one to 33%. That one in a landslide. It's about half the votes. That it was about half of it was more than half of the votes. Yep. It was actually two thirds of the votes because 28 votes for one to 33%. Uh, a couple comments were in there. Were, well, all right. So let's move on. So 14 votes for 71 to 90 percent. I believe that 13 of those people are wrong about yeah, that assessment. Wise. Probably, <laughs> yeah, maybe. 11 votes for 34 to 70 percent. Now I can buy well, that range pretty. Easily. Now hold on, I can get into that.
1: They're not lying. They they just haven't been in business long enough t- to realize that to it was prove wrong. it wrong. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or they're, or yeah. And then two votes for 0%. They know what's up. Zero, zero votes, zero for 90% plus. Over, overall, that's a pretty self-aware voting populace in my opinion. And, and, you know, like, I'm not, I'm not buying the whole, as you hear my, my GoPro turn itself off. And yes, I use that to help us with startup hustle TV. Sorry. I'm always talking to people about turning quiet things, noisy things off. So, yeah, but I mean, those are people that, I mean, that group and come check us out. Like, I know there's a lot of really experienced savvy entrepreneurs in there. So, I mean, I think really in the end, Matt is the conclusion that you have a, air quotes, slightly better
1: chance of being successful if you create a business plan? I mean, there's a diminishing return, right? Everybody should have a business plan. They should know who their customer yep. is, the go-to-market strategy, the product. What is a long-term vision? Like we want to sell X to Y. And th- the most important thing is staying on that plan or deciding that you're going to change plan, but not doing both and just having a plan. One step at a time, you know. I
0: think p- the plan's good, but the business plan, as we know it. So, it, I'm going to go first on the uh, as we close this out, Matt. I think overall, I think like I think we were pretty clear uh, with the message here today. Like the, pl- I think the plan is more important for you, for you and your team. Um, I like the know your audience part of this for the tips, like what you're taking to the bank what you're taking to an investor and what you're taking to your internal team are going to have variances, right? Like they really are. I mean, just know your audience. I think so, I, as the further, the more and more uh, experience I get as an investor, as an entrepreneur, uh, all of it is I just really love simplicity. Like yes. make it like, like present it to me as if I'm a small child or maybe a Labrador retriever. You know, and just like, cause I, you know, like I, well, I, I really don't wanna listen to the 19th minute about features and bullshit. Like, what do you do? How do you do it? Why are you different? And how are you gonna
1: compete? What are your takeaways, Master Watson? I think the most important thing is identifying a unique problem. You know, if you're a tech company, you gotta identify a unique problem and you gotta solve it better than anybody else. Being a me too is not a solution. Unless you're targeting a different audience, right? You'd be like, okay, we're gonna create an accounting system, but it's for a specific industry. So we don't really compete with QuickBooks, right? We come, it's a different, we only focus on a specific industry or whatever, a specific niche, right? That's fine, but you gotta, you gotta do something unique and you gotta do it better than everybody else. And you gotta know how to find your customers. You gotta know what your go-to-market strategy is, how to reach them. Are you gonna sell something for $10 a month or a thousand dollars a month? Completely different business models. Th- those are the really simple things you got to understand as an investor. I definitely want to understand those things. Speaking of understanding things,
0: Matt, you were amazing and Startup Hustle TV. All of the recent uh, episodes, uh, you you letting everyone know that a great salesperson is good at picking up girls. Um, man, I got a lot of fun comments <laughs> about that. Now, now I don't know if you've watched episode 5.0, but I actually did leave the part in there where I said my butt hurts um, because I had been sitting on the plastic interview chair for two hours. So if you're interested in seeing the real look of what it's like to have, figure out how to make our own TV show, a, a video version of the Startup Hustle podcast, uh, it's there on YouTube. We're having fun with it. If you want to get involved, go to startupustle.xyz. Uh, today's episode of the show was brought to you by FullScale.io. Look, if you're trying to build a tech company, you need people to build the technology. That's what we can help you with. We did and built everything about FullScale using ourselves as clients. Fair to say, Matt? Yep, for three years. We, t- we, p- we took all of the shit that people don't like about building tech teams, and we kind of just did the opposite. It was pretty. Pre- that part of the plan was pretty simple. We asked <laughs> our potential clients... What do you hate about hiring developers? So we did the opposite. Yeah, And then we asked our employees, what do you not like about where you work? And we did the opposite of that. Yep. It was it was simply elegant. So Matt, next week, part 10, 10. Uh, you know, one, one other thing before we go here, we didn't plan, we made this a 52 part series and then started in the third week of January. Are we gonna have to pivot? Mm, i
1: don't know do we double up is it gonna yeah. be a bonus week triple, somewhere
0: tri- triple triple double double <laughs> baby. just like me on the court dude i want you to just thinking me with like a lakers jersey on me and lebron he's just throwing it up i'm just slamming it home yeah that didn't happen either i'm gonna get back to having fantasies somewhere else other than on the air matt i'll see you next week see ya